listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Indeed, welcome to the Fret Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. My name is Eric Daw, your personal guitar scientist with 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. Sitting beside me is my lovely co-host, Melissa. Greetings. I will read the listener-submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Mm-hmm. How do you like my new tagline? I, I like it. Fortnightly foray. It only took me seven years to think of that. <laughs> you know, fortnightly is such a strange term. It's so oddly specific. Like there are, there is no other uh, word that describes. Like we don't have a word for for t- every ten days. Well, but, we have bi-monthly. But that's the same. Is it because bi-monthly could mean every other month? No, it means twice a month. Well, t- you, you, oh, bi-weekly, bi-monthly. See how confusing oh, it yeah, is. Oh, yeah, that is confusing. So you need a term like fortnightly, which I didn't uh, really fully understand until a nice listener uh, <laughs> told us that we were fortnightly. <laughs> but I, I was reading the, uh, this. This really is a podcast about guitars, but we'll get to that. I was reading a book about the etymology of words. Right? Oh, fascinating. And uh, fortnightly, do you know, it's it's basically a, a contraction. Do you know what it... Fortnight. No, tell me. Fourteen nights. Wow. Smart. So fortnightly is 14 nights or every two weeks. That's us. Hey, what are you working on lately? Uh, I'm working on a, a gift for somebody. And it's it's a purse. It's, I'm working on a purse. Some some leather craft. Yes, leather craft. I'm making a purse. It's very fancy. I won't reveal any more details. What are I, you working on? Uh, I have been working on. I've got four custom guitars that are just getting to the point where I need to assemble them. So they've been made and painted, and the paint has cured, and the pickups are wound, and all the parts are assembled in piles and now the guitars need to get put together uh soon <laughs> so like that's this week yeah this week i'm going going to be assembling four custom guitars and i've been trying to catch up on all kinds of repairs and a few pickup orders here and there uh yeah that's what i've been doing um but we've just been crazy busy it's been insane it has it's been ridiculous I, it's 
you know, when this year started off so rocky, not that it has ended up smoothly, but uh, when we started getting off to a rocky start there in March, I thought, oh, this could be be financially a a tough year. But it's actually been our best year yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with our listeners. Really, you guys really showed up for us this year, and we really appreciate it. We do appreciate it. Uh, But it has been crazy. It's been super busy. And my point in telling you that is that I want to inform you that we're going to take some time off. We're going to take, I think, December 15th to January 15th off. And that sounds like a lot, but... Eric and I have not had more than a single day off together in probably a year. Maybe more. I haven't taken, well, I'll tell you this, I haven't taken a legit vacation, like vacation, vacation, Mm -hmm. for for a few years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So so we're going to take some time off, and uh, that means no podcast on January 1st. This is, this is just... this is December 1st. December 1st. We will do another podcast. We'll do one the, for the 15th. In the, yeah, in the middle of December. And then we're going to take January 1st off. And I won't be doing any repairs or custom builds for, uh, I don't know, three or four weeks there. Uh, but things will pick back up. And uh, we'll get back to the grindstone in January. I just need some time off, man. Yeah, we're, we're pretty burnt out. We just need to uh, need some R and R. Not that you can tell by this high energy podcast. <laughs> My God, it's, you better buckle in because uh, we've got some some serious podcastery mm-hmm. going on here. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's start off with a call, uh, shall we? Uh, hi, Eric. Uh, my name is Mario. I'm here uh, in Central Virginia, just outside of Charlottesville. I have a 59 telly that uh, had been refinished and worked on a couple of times, and I'm in the pro- I was in the process of refinishing it myself. I've got some, I've stained it with the stuff that I was able to buy um, at the hardware store. Basically, just got a stain on it now, and I've I've, I've really polished it up by hand. Uh, I haven't put any lacquer. I I bought some spray cans uh, from uh, Stu Mac because I want to do this in the in the original blonde finish. But I haven't, uh, because it's a 59 and this is an uh, early 59, <clears throat> it doesn't have string through, um, uh, holes for the strings. And I was wondering, um, yeah, I'm sure you've done this before, uh, put the holes in and, and what's the tricky part is to get the uh, string ferrules flush because I have the original type flush, uh, uh, I mean not flush, but they're, they have a lip on them. So I'd like to have a recessed hole. So there's actually two two cuts that have to be made, one for the ferrule to fit in, and this is, I believe is 516, something like that. And then you have the lip, which should sit flush on a ledge. So that requires a, another type of cut, 3 eighths, and then you have to go down about a 16th. And it sits in that, and uh, so that when they're installed, that they're completely flush with the body. <coughs> So um, I'm wondering what you would charge to do something like that. I could send you the body. I mean, the guitar is completely taken apart because I've been doing all this refinishing work on it. And uh, I'd like to know what you charge to do that. Just get it set up for a string-through body with the ferrule that fit flush with the normal ferrule, in other words, the ones with the lip. Um, 
Yeah, so what can I say? I uh, look forward to speaking with you. Bye-bye. Cool. Thanks, man. Uh, thanks for the call. Uh, you know, that is something I've done before, drill the drill the string through holes in a, in a Telecaster body for the ferrules so that they sit flush, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I really don't. I, I really don't want to do that to a 59 telly body, even though it's uh, been stripped of its finish and it's being refinished and has uh, whatever else is going on with it. You, you said it had a lot of work done. Um, I'm going to pass on that. I just, I just, I don't want to drill holes in a vintage guitar like that. Even, even though it's, <laughs> even though it's altered, you know, I just, it's, uh, yeah, why alter it further if if you don't have to? Well, the and it's yeah. So in 1959, um, they and it must have been a cost saving measure. I, they they switched to a what's called a top loader bridge, so the strings are anchored in the bridge. They don't pass through the body on mm-hmm. a, on the 59 Telecaster. Um, and he wants to convert this to a right. traditional, you know, deal. And I can't blame you, but. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm going to I'm going to pass on that. Sorry, man. I just just can't bring myself to do that, but thank you so much for the call. Hey, Eric and Melissa. Happy holidays, guys. Um I just have a quick question. Um I got one of those new wellers that has the temperature control, and I was wondering, Eric, when you are soldering onto the back of the pot, what temperature do you normally use on your uh, your iron? Also, um, random other question, strap middle pickups. I know some people leave them slightly flatter than you would the neck and the bridge pickup to kind of increase quack and whatnot. Um, Eric, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. Have a good one. Cool. Thanks. Uh, the, the Weller adjustable temperature soldering iron is great because you need super high temp when you're soldering on something large, like the base plate of a Telecaster pickup or, uh, you know, a big ground connection on the back of a pot. And I crank it up. I think it goes, mine goes all the way up to 850. And I'll crank it all the way up to 850 if I'm soldering on like a Strat Tremolo claw or a uh, a, a bridge, uh, a Telecaster bridge pickup uh, base plate. But for the back of pots, you can fry those if you get them too hot. So I generally will um, put it in like the, you know, 750 range for for the back of pots. Maybe 800 if I'm feeling, uh, you know, fast. But you don't want to heat them up that hot for very long. And typically when I'm just soldering on, you know, solder terminals, uh, it's under 700. I think I put it. At around 675 typically and this is with lead free solder which is what I use uh, and I think the temperature differences I, I think you can get away with um, I yeah I don't I don't remember I think the temperatures are a little bit different the temperature ranges on the on the different types of solder but that's what I use uh, so your mileage may vary but that's what I do what was his other question? Uh, oh, Strat middle pickups. Um, I never set mine lower than the neck and bridge. 
uh, I've seen guys do that. I thought they were doing it, and I've heard a lot of people say that they like to set their middle pickup low because it gets in the way of their playing, gets in the way of their picking, which I never understood. It doesn't hamper my picking. But, um, no, I, it, you know, to me, pickups sound best as close as I can get them. And, you know, what I'll do on, on, on any guitar, really, I'll raise the pickup until it's actually interfering, the magnet is actually interfering with the pull of the strings, specifically the low E string, and then back it off just a little bit until the magnetic interference stops. You, you'll hear it, you know, the, you get these weird overtones when the magnet actually starts pulling on the string when it's vibrating. So, mm -hmm. so I like to get the pickups as close as possible. To me, that's where they sound best. That's where they sound best. I guess backing them off a little bit might, you know, do something. A little more quack, he says. But to me, that's like, you know, standing farther away from your amp to try to get a, to try to get a different sound. It just yeah. doesn't, it's not really, uh, I like it. I like it the way I like it. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. What are we doing? Calls? I think we have another call. We here. have another one? Yeah. Hi, Eric. Um, I thought about something that um, is kind of a funny thing that repairmen experience every once in a while. It's uh, finding stuff inside of guitars. I have to pause this and tell you, this is a fine gentleman who I've been talking to on Instagram a bit, and he said, hey, one of these days I'm going to get real drunk and call your podcast. <laughs> And, uh, and then he did. So this is it. Um, so keep that in mind. I think he's had a few. Like, for instance, uh, Joan Baez, after years of playing, I think she it was like a double lot Martin. It said, like, um, you're a communist or something like that. Some repairman had written, you're a communist inside the guitar, right? Okay. Um, you find a lot of fuzz balls inside of guitars. We'll call them tone <laughs> balls. The fuzz. Little balls of cat fur. Um, I found, um, I found some stuff in, the, in guitars before. Um, one time, one time I was working on this, uh, old Martin. It was, uh, uh, a guy actually had a heart attack and, uh, died and fell on top of it. I had to restore the whole thing. I had to take it apart, but I found a, I found like a, a pick from an old Willie Nelson show. It said like Willie Nelson 1994, Farm Aid or something like that. That was kind of interesting. Um, found that, found lots of tone balls. What's the coolest thing you've ever found inside of a guitar? I'm interested. You know? <laughs> Um, oh, I thought yeah. he was done. He's, oh, he is done. Uh, in full disclosure, there was about six of these voicemails, and I just picked one randomly. <laughs> I, I'm not going to play them all. Um, I think this was the only one with an actual question in it. But, um, no, I, we don't mean to laugh at you. I think it's it's fun. It's great. Actually. Uh, the I found a lot of crazy things inside guitars. Uh, for one thing that I can think of right off 
the top of my head. I was working on a guy's guitar once. Uh, an acoustic guitar, I had to get inside it uh-huh. and uh, see what was going on. And there was a hundred dollar bill. Oh, sweet! In there, yeah. You went right? ahead and pocketed that, oh, of course right? not. I called him and I said, "Uh, I've been inside your guitar here, and I just wanted to let you know there's there's a one hundred dollar bill in here." He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that." <laughs> really? Okay. Well, that's just interesting. Stashing that for a rainy day. He said. That it's it was part of a shtick that he did at a gig. Before he started playing, he held up a hundred dollar bill, and he said, uh, "This is a little trick that I use to make my guitar sound more expensive." Oh, that's and funny. Then he puts, and then he puts a hundred dollar bill in there. So if anyway, if you're hearing some extra noise today, it's because we got a we got a puppy. Well, we I say we <laughs> Melissa Melissa got a puppy. I. Wanted a dog so bad. And I did not. And Eric didn't. And so we compromised and got a dog. Yeah, that's true. And uh, she is a terror. Her name is Skipper. Yeah. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into. It's true. Uh, shall we do some questions? I think that's it on the voicemails. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Before we take some questions, I want to uh, remind you this episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Based in Waco, Texas, Apex Coffee Roasters searches the globe for the best coffee beans available, roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make up each cup an individual experience. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off. That's from apexcoffeeroasters.com. Hey, it really is excellent coffee it's what we drink every day and uh i cannot recommend it enough apex coffee roasters shall we take some uh questions here sure letters we get letters we get stacks and stacks of letters Hi, Eric. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I finally took a step towards my first parts caster build. On the last podcast, you mentioned that that you only use nickel hardware on your instruments and that you age the parts using vinegar fumes. I'd like to do the same. I'm having trouble sourcing Telecaster hardware that is nickel or that I can verify is nickel-plated. The terms Hmm. vendors use can be a little fuzzy. Would you be willing to disclose your sources for nickel-plated Tele hardware? Love the podcast, and I hope Melissa enjoyed the break from the last show. Thanks. That's from Charlie. Did you enjoy the break from the last show? Uh, yeah. I took that night, and I worked in the shop, so it wasn't much of a break, but I did. It was very relaxing. Thanks, Charlie. Uh, he is trying to get nickel hardware. I'm surprised that... I Here's what I think. I think you need different vendors. None of the vendors I use are fuzzy at all about... Um, what what plating they have in fact there's usually like some drop down menu where you can choose gold nickel chrome or black plating you know so yeah. um all parts wd philadelphia luthier supply uh, all of these guys and any of the you know any of the main you know, parts vendors stuart mcdonald uh should have all of that hardware uh, in, in a different, you know, a varying array of finishes. I know for a fact that all parts and WD has 
uh, nickel and chrome and gold because that's where I typically get all the stuff. Here's a trick, though. Sometimes you can't find a part in nickel, but you can find it in gold. Did you know that they have to nickel plate before they can do the gold plating? So you can take, like, for example, a neck plate or something that's gold plated and take some polishing compound and rub it down. That gold comes off real easy. And what's underneath is nickel plating. So if there's anything you can't find in nickel, get it in gold, rub off the gold plating. There's nickel underneath. But like I said, all parts, WD, Stuart McDonald, Philadelphia Luthier Supply, um, all of the... All of the major common, you know, suppliers that you go to will have nickel parts for you. So try that out. Thanks, cool. Charlie. Hey, Eric, just caught the fret spacing slash intonation episode. Mm-hmm. I had the buzz fighting nut system installed on a 335 and it sounded great. That said, I have no idea how or maybe if it works. Are you a fan of this redo? Thanks from North Dakota. That's from Patrick. Thanks, Patrick. Um, I have tinkered with that in the past. I've, I've, I've experimented with it and I've played plenty of guitars that have the buzz fighting intonation system going on. To me, it's a, it's a solution to a problem that, um, doesn't really exist. So, uh, in my mind, a guitar can be intonated just fine without moving the nut. That's what the buzz fighting system wants you to do. You'll either have to move the nut towards the first fret or use one of their weird nuts with a little shelf that hangs over the fingerboard to move the the contact point closer to the first fret. And uh, if a guitar... there, I've certainly run into guitars that have a problem with the way they laid it out. Usually you run into, you know, a cheap guitar. Like I bought my kids a nylon string guitar that just will not intonate. I mean, I'm going to have to move the nut on that. But we're talking about doing this to guitars that um, everything's laid out properly. It's a tempered tuning thing, much like they temper tune a piano. Like you don't, when you tune a piano, you don't tune it exactly pitch perfect. You actually will stretch it just a little bit so that when you play a big fat chord up high and down low, everything... Um, is uh, not discordant, right? Mm-hmm. And so what Buzz Fighting has tried to do is apply that same principle to the guitar. I th- that's At least that's my understanding of it. But I don't like to modify guitars like that. I don't, you know, especially in the old days, his system meant you had to move the nut. Well, on a, on a Fender or something like that, that's, or a Gibson... You know, you can't really undo that. It's messy. I think now that they, I think he he sells uh, special nuts where you don't have to do any wood removal, but still, I'm just, look, I'm old school, and uh, what's my famous line? I never listen to a record and think, oh, it sounds like he's got the buzz fighting intonation system, right? (laughs) Wes Montgomery didn't need it. And I, ne- I never think he's out of tune. So I'm just an old-fashioned guy. It's not my thing. But if you like it, more power to you. But please don't do it on vintage guitars. Thanks, Patrick. 
Hi, Eric and Melissa. First of all, thank you so much for the amazing podcasts, guitars, and leather goods, not in any particular order. A few years ago, I bought a 64 Gibson J50 from Emerald City and had it refretted by the venerable and now late Mike Lull. Mm-hmm. It sounds amazing, plays amazing, and looks amazing, but it has that ad- that darn adjustable saddle. The saddle is- itself is fine, but the top screw really bites into my hand when I strum, so I'm wondering if you have any suggestions. It has a really nice rosewood bridge that I don't want to replace or heavily modify. Thank you again. That's from Nate. Thanks, Nate. Well, my gut instinct is to tell you to just get used to it. I know that's uh, not what you want to hear, but um, again, much like the last question, I just don't like to modify these vintage guitars. It's just It just hurts my heart a little bit, you know? Yeah. I just hate to see that. But that being said, you might take it to a tech who can possibly... Set it up so that that screw sits lower. Um, you you know, I, I've seen some of those where that adjustable thing that's sitting in between those screws there, uh, it has some play in it. So you can actually get the saddle to sit taller with the screws sitting lower. I don't know how else to explain that, but that's that's a possibility, and that would that would help on your hand a little bit, but. Outside of that, unless that's an option, I would say leave it. I'd say get used to it. Hmm. Well, thanks, Nate. Eric and Mel, please provide some perspective on Gretsch guitars, specifically any repair or setup challenges. I've never owned or played a Gretsch. Thinking about purchasing a Gretsch in the future. Hmm. Thanks. That's from John. Well, John, it's a... It's tough for me to make a blanket statement on Gretsch guitars because it's a company that's been in business for you know a hundred years or more and they've changed hands a whole bunch of times so a Gretsch from 1960 is not like a Gretsch from 1970 which is not like a Gretsch from 1990 and that's not like a Gretsch from 2020 so they're really all different animals it's like trying to um it's like trying to put say you know put some perspective on Fender guitars well same deal there. I mean, it's a, it's just a, an ever-evolving thing. As far as Gretsch goes, the Gretsches that I've seen that I liked the most are either vintage ones or the Japanese-made ones uh, that they did, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. Maybe they're still doing them. I don't, I don't actually know. Um, just a modern Chinese or Korean Gretsch just doesn't do anything for me. It's not exciting. It's just, it's just another, you know, okay Asian guitar, uh, Asian made, uh, guitar like an Epiphone or something. But, um, the original Gretsches are cool. They do have quirky problems. A lot of them have binding problems where binding... The binding, the glue that they used on the binding uh, reacts with the binding over time, and the bindings are all falling off. They don't always have the best fret work. They're they're really not up on the same level as some of the other top tier makers. Their vintage stuff is not, but um, they're cool guitars. Uh, I don't know. Without you saying a specific model, it's hard for me to really comment because, um, like I said, there's Gretches that are made in. Indonesia and Gretches that are made in America and 
Gretches that are made in Japan, and there's all different kinds of models, solid body and hollow body, arch top. So just trying to make some blanket statements about it is difficult, but they are cool. They're cool looking, and it's a it's a solid, you know, uh, company with a cool history. Uh, but yeah, that's about all I can say. Thanks, John. Hey, thanks for your show. I love the tone. It's really it really does help me to fill in some long-standing knowledge gaps with practical understanding and it's entertaining. How hip is that? Pretty hip. Here are my mildly entertaining questions. My telly currently sports a hip shot multi-bender G and B string. Mm. Since this setup requires top loading and string through body at the same time, I wonder if creating a steeper string angle between the bridge and the bender e.g. with a small bar compared to the string tree principle, actually helps to equal the tone differences of the string a wee bit. I tend to prefer the punchier tone of string through as opposed to the chimey top loading. I don't know if that qualifies as a fair description. So, do you want to take that one first? Uh, was there a... I, was uh, that, no, go ahead. Okay. Some... Pacific Northwest guitar history? Did you ever come across one of the pre-war parlor guitars which go by the brand name Neoma? If so, what do you think of these as compared to Stella or similar builds? I was lucky to find one by chance and really like its tone. My ears had some European upbringing, so I might be easily impressed by older American guitars in general, but this one really sounds loud and raunchy and... dot dot dot. Question mode off... Yeah, this brings me to your theory mentioned in earlier episodes. Is this year going to bring back the blues? Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, maybe it was simply the influence of the mentioned guitar, but it did so for me. At least I attempted to compile a little bit of information on this blues box. Maybe there's something cool in there for you. If not, at least it's one proof of your theory. Thanks again for the show. That's from Jan. Thanks, Jan. Uh... Did, was there questions in there? Yes, there was questions. I, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm distracted uh, by a barking puppy I'm that so Melissa sorry. demanded we get a dog. So here, so now there's now we're doing this. Now we're listening to a barking dog. Uh, no, I've not heard of Nioma guitars, and I've never seen one. I didn't know that that was a Pacific Northwest thing. I'm going to have to look that up. I didn't know about it. And Sounds then, cool. Uh, um, creating a steeper string angle between bridge and bender with a bar like a string tree. Yeah, because Jan's got a hip a hip shot multi bender, which I've See, never heard of. Well, that's the problem with these doodads like this is they uh, they will they will introduce problems that uh, you didn't even know existed until you get that installed. I don't know, I don't know what he's even asking here. Uh, cre- if creating a steeper string angle between the bridge and the bender actually helps to equal the tonal differences of the strings a wee bit? I don't know. I don't know. Try it. Jeez, I don't know. See, you have to understand something about me. I won't even... If you brought me your that telly and said, will you install this doodad on it? I would say, no thanks. If you brought me your telly and a Bigsby and said, will you install this? <laughs> I would say, mm, mm, no thanks. I'm just real selective about about putting wacky doodads on, especially on tellies. So, and and your question is, is you know, highlights why. Uh, it just changes the way they behave, and I don't 
um, I just don't like that. That's me. Okay, what can I say? I'm old-fashioned. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. Do you have any idea what I do with my time? Let me tell you. It's consumed entirely by building custom guitars, repairing and restoring guitars, making custom guitar pickups. I make uh, replica black guard uh, Bakelite pick guards. These are all available online. You can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's more the repair side of things. To see what's going on there, I've got a price chart. I've got, you know, pictures, examples of work. I've got a custom pickup order form. I would love to help you with your guitar repair or restoration or uh, just, you know, whatever you got in mind. Shoot me an email. Whatever. Give me a call. If you want to see the guitars I make, go over to pinupcustomguitars.com. That's P-I-N-U-P, like pinup girl. I always feel like I have to spell it. I probably don't. You uh, understand, I'm sure. Anyway, check it out, and uh, I'll see you there. Hey, guitar nerds. Visit MalcoLeather.com to check out a variety of made-to-order leather guitar straps, or you can email MalcoLeather at gmail.com for custom work. Every Melco guitar strap is designed and built by hand by me. Check out my Instagram at MalcoLeather to see examples of my past work. And as an added bonus, I offer free shipping in the U.S. for orders over $35. Visit MalcoLeather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O Leather.com. Hi, Eric and Melissa. I love my pinup T-style guitar, and I would recommend everyone buy one. Seriously, buy one of these guitars. But I'm having a problem keeping the plastic pickup switch tip on. It's a problem I have with all Fenders or Fender-inspired guitars. This is not a pinup problem, and I do not hold you responsible. Oh, good. Is there a way to fix this, or am I plagued to go through life cutting my hand on the uncovered metal? That's from Mike from Brooklyn. Yeah, Mike, easy, there's an easy solution to this, and I know we've talked about it in the podcast before, but I think it's been years. But what I do is I take the switch tip off, take some end-cut nippers or some wire cutters, okay, and I just squeeze the uh, switch, the blade, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not the skinny way, but the wide way. Mm-hmm. Squeeze it like you're going to cut it off. But just just barely put some indentations in it with, just making notches. with some nippers. So you're making notches. And then when you put the uh, switch tip back on, it's those metal little barbs that you've created are really going to grab the switch tip. Be careful doing this on a vintage guitar because those old Bakelite switch tips get brittle. And if you are trying to force it on there after you've made these barbs, uh, I've seen them break before. So be careful with that. But if it's a modern guitar, go for it. No problem. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. That's easy. Thanks, Mike. Hi, Eric. I really like the finishes you get on your custom guitars. May I ask what brand of lacquer you use and how you apply it? Thanks. That's from Larry in Arizona. Thanks, Larry. Yeah, I use uh I've I've used a lot of different kinds of lacquer over the years, but I've settled on something for the past couple years. Uh what I've been using that I really get consistent results and I really like this lacquer. It's called Mohawk Piano Lacquer. Uh I I go back and forth between that and the stringed instrument lacquer, 
Mohawk, I think it's called Mohawk Classic Instrument Lacquer. That's pretty good stuff, but I like the piano lacquer a little bit more. Uh, it has a higher build properties. It has like a higher solid, high, higher solids content. Um, it says right on the can that it's ready to spray, but I still thin it a little more. I'll, you know, like I'll put like one, maybe a quarter, one quarter thinner to three quarters lacquer. And I spray it with a, with a high volume, low pressure, you know, HVLP gun called an Earl X 5500. That's how I, I don't know if that's what you meant. He says, how do you apply it? But yeah, that's how I apply it with a Earl X 5500 HVLP spray gun. And, uh, I thin it about 25%. That's what I use. Cool. Thanks, Larry. Loved your tip about using shrink tubing on drill bits as de- as a depth gauge. Oh, yeah, that was on Instagram. Yeah. So much cleaner and more pro than using tape. I think so. Got any other cool suggestions for us? Keep the cool tech tips coming. That's from Ed. Thanks, Ed. Uh, geez, nothing off the top of my mind. Um, I feel like every question leads to one of these uh, little tech tips. But, you know, lately what I've been doing... Well, lately, for the past several years, I used to when I inst- when I install a, a pick guard on a brand new guitar, mm-hmm. right? Like a guitar I'm making. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to drill each hole with a tiny drill bit. I don't do that anymore. Mm. It's so much faster to take a really I, t- I have a really sharp awl, mm-hmm. and I just line up the pick guard where I want it, put pressure on it with my hand. And I know it, it is where I want it. And then I just poke holes where the screws will go with, an, with an awl. By, you don't need to drill, drill pilot holes? No, because this that awl goes in just the right depth. And it's real sharp. And it just it's about ten times faster than drilling all those holes. Wow, interesting. Yeah, it works really well with ash because ash is a pretty it's pretty soft for a hardwood right so Mm -hmm. that's i don't know that's one tech tip that came to my mind i don't know i don't know stay tuned i'm sure i'll have more that's all we've got for tonight unless you want to play a little game oh i can't wait yeah i'd love to play a game this was suggested by a listener oh and uh it, it was actually a long time ago but i but it popped back up in my uh inbox and now i I'm using it. This is from Cartwright. Okay. Uh, and a little help from me. Okay. I rewrote it a little bit. So this is a quiz we're going to play. Knob or pickup? Oh, good. So I'm going to tell you the name of a guitar doodad, and you tell okay. me if it's a knob or a pickup. Okay. Are you All ready? Right. I'm so I ready. I think you're going to ace this. I think so, too. I'm so smart about okay. guitar things. You really are. Dog ear. Hmm... What are the options? Knob? Knob or pickup. Okay. Dog ear is a knob. No, that's a pickup. That's a type of a P90. That's a P90 that has little triangular tabs on the end, and they look like dog Dog ears. Oh. Okay, here's one you know. I know you know this. All right. You ready? No. Is this a knob or a pickup? Okay. Chicken head. That's a knob. Yes, everybody knows the chicken head knob. Chicken head knob. It's a knob that looks like the head of a chicken. Yep. Okay, are you ready? Uh-huh. 
knob or pickup, monkey on a stick. <laughs> this is a thing. Monkey on a stick. Um, a monkey on a stick is a pickup. <laughs> yes, that's right. Sweet. The old dearmond pickup that uh, attaches to arch top arch, arch top style guitars. Wow. Yeah, th- it has a little bracket that goes down by your tailpiece, and then a stick that comes up, and you can slide the pickup up and down the stick for proper pickup placement. Wow. They call it a monkey on a stick. Monkey on a stick. All right, are you ready? Uh huh. Knob or pickup? Uh-huh. Top hat. Well, that's got to be a knob. Yes, of course. It's a knob. How about this? Boomerang. Ooh. I would think that's a pickup. It is. It's a rare pickup. You you don't see them very often, but... Is it shaped like a boomerang? Yes, it's shaped like a boomerang. Thank God. Okay. Bonnet reflector. (laughs) A bonnet reflector. Is that a knob or Mm. a pickup? If you had just left it at bonnet, I would have been sure that it was a knob, but reflector. Yeah, bonnet reflector. It's a thing. All right, I'm going with knob. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Very smart. The bonnet reflector is that weird uh, Gibson knob that has a little reflective top, a little dished reflective top. I know what you're talking about, surprisingly. Okay. Short skirt. Oh. Is that a knob or a pickup? It's a knob. Yes. The (laughs) early strats had knobs that were a little bit smaller on the skirt part, and they call them the short skirt. They were Bakelite. Interesting. Mm-hmm, very interesting. Where are we? Uh, knob or pickup? Soap bar. Well, that's got to be a pickup. Yes, of course. That's a P90. That's slang for a P90. Oh. Mm-hmm. Cupcake. That's a knob. How do you know? Well, because a, a cupcake is shaped more like a knob than like a pickup. All right. I guess this is an easier quiz than I thought. Yes, a cupcake is a knob. It's a... A harmony knob. Oh. Yeah. Looks like a little cupcake. I want to look like a little cupcake. Very descriptive term. You do. (laughs) Hershey bar. That's going to be a pickup. Of course it's a pickup. Gold foil. Pickup. Yes. Stacked concentric. Knob. Wow, you're good. You're acing this. Lipstick. Pickup. Yes. Horseshoe. Hmm. Knob or pickup? The horseshoe. The horseshoe. Is that the last one? That's the last one. All right. I better get it right. Let's think. Horseshoe. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a horseshoe-shaped pickup. Haven't you? It's a pickup. It is a pickup. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Oh, she's clipping so badly. Sorry. Yes. Horseshoe. Absolutely. That's a pickup. That does it for the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for submitting questions. And uh, keep them coming. We're going to do another show on, on December 15th, and then we're going to take a little break. If you want to write into the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and uh, submit your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is call or text 757 774 8482. That's 757-774-8482. And uh, we'll use that as part of the show. Thank you so much. Good night. Good night. Good night.